Hello everyone, my name is Kendall and welcome to Unofficial Book Club, where life and stories meet. And just like any book club, we'll only be spending half the time actually talking about books. And this is that half. In these book club episodes of this podcast, my guests and I will be bonding over my favorite hobby, reading. Getting to know their relationship to books, the ones they love, the ones that have made the biggest impact on them, and so much more. Now before we get started, I want to remind you that my guests and I will be sharing our own personal experiences, opinions, and possible book spoilers throughout this episode and all future episodes. Let's get started. Hello everyone and welcome to another book club episode. I'm super excited. I'm back here with my guest again. Anna, thank you for joining us for this special book club episode. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. And I know that we've talked about this before, so I feel like I don't even have to ask you if you like to read, but like it's something we bonded over was that we both like to read and we both like books. But can you tell us a little bit about your relationship with reading and books? Mm -hmm, Absolutely. Yeah, it's one of my favorite pastimes. It's just such a simple way to learn about things that you're interested in, to explore new worlds, you know, to have adventure, to just be feeling all these different emotions and dive into the world of another character or of another being that you otherwise don't have access to. So I think it's one of my favorite mediums for traveling. I love it so much. Um, That's what I said. And I said, like, making friends. And then I was like, that sounds like a weird phrase. But I I mean, like, (laughs) You get so invested in these characters that you do, you like make friends or you're invested in their lives or their love lives as you would any normal person. Hell yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I totally agree, dude. I have so many friends that are in my books, you know, and that I can go back to and, and, and be a part with the characteristics and the ways of being that I love about them. Um, And I think my, my journey with books started when I was really young, I mean, I, I told you in passing in the past about how, you know, summer's in Vegas, 125 degrees, there's nothing to do, you know, it's like hot, you can't go outside. And so going to the library, um, even though my friends would make fun of me, going to the library and getting a ton of books, especially um, fiction, uh, and being able to just lay upside down on my couch and dive into this space from morning till night. Like that was the way that I spent my summers growing up. So it was the one good thing about summertime was having that endless time to do that. Um, So that really solidified it. And then there was a period of my life where it was just a lot of dry reading for like school and work and whatever. And now finally- Going to law school? No way. Right? (laughs) Can you imagine? (laughs) Um, And now finally I'm diving back into- into both, you know, things I'm interested in and nonfiction and then fiction, fantasy fiction specifically. Yeah. Support your local library, everybody. And being mm-hmm. in like hundred degree weather and going into the library, you were the winner in that. <laughs> yeah. and like AC, 100%. you get a bunch of books. Exactly. All for that. People watching, it just hits so many birds with one stone. Yes. Exactly. So when do you read now that you've gotten back into it? Like what time of day? Do you carry a book with you all the time? Like when is your reading time? Yeah, so I'm the type of person, one of my favorite ways to spend like an open afternoon is to take a book somewhere beautiful. Um, So whether that's like the beach or like a very lively or peaceful cafe or just wherever it is. So that's, that's a very intentional way that I like to enjoy reading. Um, 
there's a specific place here in LA called the the Getty Museum. I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's just like this museum that's up on a hill overlooking all of LA and overlooking the ocean. And and it's just like this grassy garden. And so at, right before I started my most recent job and I had like a week of just hanging out, I took a book up there and just had the best day. Like no one telling me it's time to go, like nothing else to do, like lounging and reading and escaping. So that's my favorite way to experience it. Um, and then other than that, like just being able to be at home and after a hectic, hectic day, you know, just being able to just dive into a book on the couch. Simple as that. It's just the best way to do it. I love that. I, I have the same. I have a park near um, my library that I will take my cat in her little backpack and her leash and she'll like sit on the blanket with me. She has a harness and everything. She loves looking at the squirrels and the dogs that pass by and then I'll read and like I bring a little water bowl for her and I love that. And then after we're done with this tonight, I will be reading for an hour or two before I go to bed. And that's how I like, you know, wind down in that way. Yes. Yes. I, I like winding down in that way. And you'll have to send me, is it one of those um, backpacks with the little dome that they can see through? So no, although that's what I was looking at originally, the backpack I have for her is really cute. It's big and bulky, but the back Oh, like where your back is touching opens up to a little tunnel for her oh so she can like lay in the tunnel and not just be in the backpack and that's that's been very helpful so like lay in the tunnel if she doesn't feel comfortable enough to be like hanging out on the blanket and so I really yeah. like that and it has like pockets everywhere for her to put like treats and you know water bowls and everything like that so I I like it a lot it's big and bulky but I like it a lot it works I like it please send me the link after this I will I will it's awesome so how far do you get into a book before you put it down and you say it's not for you? Or are you a person that finishes a book entirely regardless? Oh, um, yeah, I, this recently happened to me. So <laughs> I, I'm very fresh in my memory. Um, I'm someone who I give it a good, a good go. So I'd say a good go for me, let's say it's like a 350 or 400 page book is like, I'll give it a good 50 to 75 pages, you know? And then if I'm just like, okay, this is just not clicking for me. I can't imagine how page 100 is going to start clicking for me. I'll let it go. I did recently get flack about this from one of my friends who recommended a book to me, um, which is a fantasy book, but it's the type of fantasy that I warned her that I'm not really interested in, which is like, you know, the fairies falling in love. with. Stop, like this... is it a court of thorn and roses? Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. And look, like it was joyous in its own way. It just wasn't for me because like, I don't know. I just, it's the same reason that I can't watch certain dramas. They just don't click for me for whatever reason, you know? Yes. And, and so when I told her, like, I stopped at this point of the story, she got upset because she was like, it was about to get good. Like you were about to find out that everything that you're upset about is actually not what you really think. You know what I mean? So I was about to get a development that I skipped over. So I think there are, there are instances to be a little bit more gracious with how much leeway you give a book, but I do know what I like. So <laughs> I yeah. try to cut it off. I feel like that when I, when it's a book like that, that either everybody loves or somebody that I know loves it and, you know, asks me to read it. I feel really bad when it like doesn't click for me and totally. maybe like five years from now, I'll pick it up again and I'll love it. Like that's happened to me before, but usually yeah, 75 pages. And it's funny. Cause I read a friend of mine like read her whole series, Sarah J. Moss, and 
and is reading her newest or her first series, I guess, before this or one of her other series right now and loves it. But I so she told me to pick up A Court of Thorn and Roses and I finished the first book and I didn't love it. Mm-hmm. Like it just wasn't for me personally. I think fantasy is a lot harder for me to get into in general. And so unless it has to do with like magic, like witches, wizards, I'm all there for that. But like fairies and romance in that way, like it wasn't my vibe. So I get that. But yeah, yeah people love that series. I know they do. They, it, it, yeah, it has a huge following behind it. And I think the other thing that sucks about like people recommending books to you is like, especially if you're close, you're going to see them again. Like then you have to go back and tell them like, no, <laughs> I didn't like yeah. it. Like that's always an awkward conversation because there's like a bit of self-defense that happens there too often. So I always like to follow up with, but I know somebody that would. And then like, like- I suggest it. Like I suggested this book to my sister and I was like, and if you want to like talk about it with someone, I know somebody who really enjoyed it. And so, right. That's how I like yeah. to follow it up because I get yeah. it, you know? So yeah, I'm what trying to is- get away. Uh, I'm trying to get away from the whole, like, like to try to help them make to feel better about their suggestion I'll say things like oh no it's really me and I'm trying to get more into the space of like no I think it's a book <laughs> I think yeah. it's a poorly written book or whatever yeah or um, you know what maybe it is like not my vibe and totally. moving forward you know this genre is not for me exactly so what would you say is your favorite book if you had to pick one so I think that my favorite book which is also the book that I wish that I could clear my brain and reread over and over and over again through the same book and it's, so it's when, it would be the book you'd read again for the first time which is my oh, favorite sure. question to ask oh that's good for sure for sure for sure because I just had so many revelations and just so much it was just like a conversation and it was just like being gently woken up over and over and over again with this book each page I was turning and it's called women who run with the wolves yes and- You've told me about this before and I put it on my list and I don't know why it hasn't come up out of my holds for the library now that I'm thinking about it. But yes, I remember (laughs) you mentioning it. So you're telling me you didn't read it and be like, no, this isn't for me. (laughs) No, I didn't. I can honestly say that. I put it on hold at the library, I think. And I wonder if I froze it because I I tend to put books on hold at the library at the same time. And then like six of them come available and I have to either read all six of them or like you know freeze them and come back totally, which is later. a crazy system this happens to me too I feel like there's a better way to go about this but maybe there are bigger problems in the world to solve yeah. than this. anyways yes. um yeah so it's by Clarissa Pinkola Estes I think is how her last name is pronounced um and I guess just the things that I love about it and and what it's about from like a very big picture point of view is that the author seems to see so it is it is um it is nonfiction, but it does include a lot of myth and archetypes and storytelling as as separate vignettes. And so the author sees the story, like stories in general, as a way to, for women especially, but really for all of us, to understand life as having cyclical parts that need to be in balance. And that really there's this archetype that is a part of every single person and every single woman called the wild woman. You know, it's this woman who is like the head of a wolf pack. She's like this fiery, intelligent, compassionate being who understands when things need to live and when things need to die, like just like a wolf, right? Like if a wolf sees that it's um, 
pup is suffering and has a disease, it's not going to let it suffer. It's going to end its suffering and, and help it pass on. So it has this like deep innate wisdom. Um, and she's arguing that that intuition and that wisdom is a part of all of us. And so she tells, she teaches the great lessons of this wild woman being awakened in us through different myths and different archetypes, both from her family and also archetypes that have been around um, with humans and human storytelling since the beginning of time. And it's really beautiful. I highly recommend oh, it. I love that. Now I have to go see if I froze it and like unfreeze it. <laughs> yes. Okay. Take some action on it, please. Yeah. yeah. So no, I love that. That's very beautiful. And that that's something I now think about that I kind of, it's going to be perfect to read like in this time of my life where like you're, you know, doing some self-reflection and you're learning about yourself and learning who you want to be and who you don't want to be, et cetera. And so I think that'd be a great book to read. Totally. I was at a um, bar the other day, just grabbing like a burger during happy hour. And the I was reading this book again. And the um, one of the women who was working behind the bar, like came out of the bar and over to my table and was like, that book changed my life. Like, I think there's just so much energy and love for this book. So I highly recommend. Yes. Oh, I love yeah. that. Mm -hmm. So what was your favorite book as a kid? Oh, um, I think similar to what I'm interested in now when I think about fiction it was fantasy but it was not the not the the elves and the the you know fairies and whatnot but it was it was also based off of magic and also based off of like animals that could talk or or those like mystical creepy experiences so they were the spiderwick chronicles were oh do you remember those so good that's a great one yeah so good. And I remember like the first page of the series, or I think the first page of every book in the series, the authors write like, you know, this is a secret and like, we're not supposed to let it, you know, be, be known that these things exist or whatever. And I think they are fairies, but you know, not in the yeah. <laughs> yeah, version of it. And, and just that, like, there, there could be like a magical world underlying everything, like normal daily life. You know, I really liked the yes. series of unfortunate events and all the things that were like haunty and creepy mm -hmm. and magical about that. So I'd I say love those two that. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I like, it's funny that you say that because I remember reading those as a kid and my grandmother, her neighbor behind her house, who still lives there today, has like this wraparound kind of garden behind her house. And she used to, and it has this path. And as a kid, I remember it being so much bigger and lively and like vibrant, like being in a forest, but she would put little like dolls and little figurines in different places. And my sisters and I used to like pretend they were fairies in like the forest and we'd walk around mm -hmm. and like find them. And it just, it felt very magical. And it was a part of like our magical, like game that we would play and stuff. And so that, that reminds me of that. And that has always reminded me reminded me of that but I I I love those books that's a good one totally and like that. I think there's as I'm having this conversation now I'm realizing like how much fun being imaginative is you know especially as a kid but how difficult it can be because we feel dumb or we feel silly or like whatever trying to play yep. with that now so I'm just thinking to myself like how are ways that I can feel more imaginative and, and be able to play around in that way kind of like same like I invented fairies in my backyard you know like yeah such a fun way to to have fun oh I love that yeah the spiderwick chronicles by Tony oh my gosh pronunciation I is I not my <laughs> no this is not, a hard one not my strong suit D Terlizzi did I yes. pronounce let's that? say that okay. yes okay and then Holly Black 
Good one. That's a good one. I love that. Okay. So what are some of your favorite genres? Yeah, I, I feel like there's a better way to define these genres, but when I look them up, they seem to be, there's like, they just have like five genres listed um, as, as what these books are. So like the Neil Gaiman's of the world, the Ursula K. Le Guin's. So a wizard of earth sea, Neverwhere, the graveyard book. There are books by authors where they mix genres of fantasy with kind of not too aggressive, but horror. Um, a little bit of sci-fi, but obviously not in like the wizard books. Um, a little bit of sci-fi, a little bit of what else? Yeah, they kind of have like dark elements to them without being like Stephen King style, straight up horror, if that makes oh, sense. Oh, I love that. Yeah, okay. yeah. And I think that that's, that's, that's the genre that I'd, I'd say is like the center. Oh, you have to send me some of those then because I think I'd really like that. And I think I always find it hard to find like fantasy books as an adult that I like and that still because like I love young adult books I've always loved them some are a little bit on the younger side and some are like more young adult fiction and I do think that there needs to be like some sort of split between that genre but I think that in that space fantasy is something I have a really hard time getting into and there's like very few that I've enjoyed um like one of them I read a few years ago and it's called Caraval and it's like a trilogy and it's like this traveling carnival that you get a special ticket to and you show up and it's a YA trilogy but it was really good and it eventually becomes a little bit dark but these two sisters are getting out of an abusive household and they go on this carnival go follow this carnival that shows up in a space and you have to get a ticket to go and it's also kind of a live action sort of experience like a scavenger hunt and it's all full of magic and 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 stories and and romance and it it was just very very beautiful but it was the closest thing to fantasy that I've read in like a long time other Mm -hmm. than a part of thorn and roses so (laughs) I feel like that's a hard genre for me to like get into so I'm always happy and if it's a little horry and a little bit like spooky and dark I love it even more totally yeah I'll send you some for sure it's it's my favorite place to be yeah yeah So then what types of book tropes do you like, whether it's in a romance novel or otherwise? Yeah, I'll tell you one that I, I can't stand only because I can always see it from a mile away. And then I'll tell you one that I really (laughs) like. So, and this, I think this is why I couldn't continue, even though A Court of Thorn and Roses could have been a book that I really love. The reason why I couldn't take it is because the whole enemies to lovers thing. And I, I want to be careful about how much that I talk about the book for those who haven't read it. I don't want to reveal anything because it's way more complex than that. But mm-hmm. like when I see that trope, like I, it's, it's like watching a telenovela to me, which is also like joyous and awesome or whatever. But like, I don't get, I like, I think the reason why I like movies like, you know, Arrival or Interstellar is because I don't know what's happening. And the idea of being able to guess what's going to happen next, like not really understanding how it could change and being super surprised. Sorry, my partner just walked in. Super surprised at how it could um, develop is something that like, I really like to get the creative juices flowing and the gears turning. Yeah. Um, So I don't really like the whole, like, I can sense tension between them and they're, you know, totally gonna get together. I don't like that. Um, I also don't like enemies to lovers when specifically when one character is like clearly toxic, like, mm -hmm. and, and it's almost, it's almost that like stupid phrase and usually it's the female character in the 
and like her partner that like she's trying to change this man to be like a better person and I don't love and I feel like it gives a bad message to people in relationships that you're supposed to raise somebody and like make them a better person when like and like you're going to be the one to do that I always feel like that's very difficult and so whenever it's a toxic relationship like that and somebody's trying to change the other person or make them better and they're doing like it that always frustrates me I feel like I agree. I 100% agree. And then something that I heard actually today that really clicked with why I find that so gross is, is because I think it, and I never thought about it this way before, but it's actually quite demeaning to try to think Mm -hmm. of yourself like, or think of like a a, a stereotypically female role in that way. And that dynamic as I'm going to help you. I know what you need. Like, I'm going to pull you out, like feeling like you can can have control over someone. And like, I think it's really demoralizing and demeaning to the person who should be able to, you know, stand up on their own two feet, obviously with the support system, but to think that that's only going to come from one person doing all the work is yeah yeah, yeah so and gross. that person does then also drive themselves down a little little exactly. bit because they struggle to like bring you up and it's yeah it can be done in a way that makes me very frustrated and I like don't love it so now that we've talked about the vitriol that we have <laughs> for that trope um I say that the one that I like the most because it it's one of my favorite myths too um when I like read, have you heard of Joseph Campbell? Okay. So he's, he's like the, he's, he, there's been some revelations that, that have proved him to be a little problematic. So I'll preface with that. Um, But he has a lot of incredible work that he's done. He's passed away now on myth and the way that it can inform our shared experience as humans and the way that it keeps getting replicated, no matter what cultures or what period of time we come from, like the lessons that we learn through myth. Um, And there's a myth around the hero's journey that is basically the same thing as the quest, right? And so to think of ourself as heroes that are going on hero's journey to be able to like advocate for ourselves in that way and understand all the different stages up down sideways left and right underground above ground that we have to go to be able to actualize ourselves in whatever way feels good I think that that really clicks with me I'm like rooting for that person and I also love when stories turn it on its head and make the hero or the focus, the protagonist of the story, someone that you have difficulty relating to, like the quintessential Ooh. villain. Yeah. Oh, okay. Ooh. I love that. I love a good quest like that too. And I think there's something, it's probably also why I love young adults so much as an adult is there's so much coming of age in those stories that like, I want to watch somebody like find that find themselves, find their first love, find their first loss and like, you know, watch that. And I love a good quest. I love a good journey. And it's always interesting to see then how like each character develops and how they take every, you know, what is it like speed bump that is just like thrown in their way and then how they take on every challenge. I think that's always very interesting. Totally, totally. Like what characteristics and values of theirs come to play with each challenge? And then like, where do do they ask for help? Where do they draw support Mm -hmm. from? You know, like there's so many things that can be learned. Yeah. You sit there and you're like, that's not what I would do. Or like, oh, I love that choice. That's brilliant. And like, it says a lot about you as the reader too, as you're going on this journey with them that I really like. Totally. What book has had the biggest impact on you? Hmm. Um, I think 
it's the same book that I think has taught me one of like the biggest lessons that I'm still trying to incorporate in life which for some reason is Alice in Wonderland. <laughs> I oh, kind of have a little uh, bit of like embarrassment to say that that's No, I book, love but... that. <laughs> yeah. I think the 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 lesson and like the thing that feels so impactful for me every time I go back to it, it's like another layer is revealed is like the importance of nonsense. You know, the importance of silliness, the importance of ridiculousness, the importance of like not having rigid structure and being an adult and being responsible and da da da, like the importance of just nonsense. Like, I think that's such an important place to be creative and play and experience joy, you know, at, when you make like a joke that clicks with somebody because it's just like so out there and just like connects things that otherwise you wouldn't connect. I think that that's what comes with being silly and opening yourself up to that so I love that maybe I should like reread that after so many years and feel I'd love to find that silliness and the nonsense in the world I love that Mm -hmm. Alice in Wonderland by Lewis Carroll Mm -hmm. and so when did you read that book for the first time that it like had that impact on you yeah I mean I the first time I was in engaged in the story was through the movie so through the Disney adaptation of the movie um and then I came back to it I'd think like not too long ago like maybe five or six years ago and I was like oh my god like the book is and you know we can talk about this later too but like the book is so much better than the movie like obviously as you know like because I love film I think that medium is so important you know to connect with people but there's something about again using your imagination right? Mm -hmm. Like being able to visualize that world and to be able to visualize a world that Lewis Carroll effortlessly describes as, yep, here it is. Like he puts together the weirdest things (laughs) and in your mind, you have to come up with a visual image of that. And it's just so funny and silly. And so I think to read it, to see it when I was a kid and it really connect with me and then later in life be like, oh yeah, like I forgot this. This is awesome. And then recently now too, it's come back again. Yeah, I love the envisioning something when it's described so beautifully and so well, but it's also just the idea that like somebody creates something and you just like have it in your mind is insane. That's amazing. Like that's wild to me. Also, what a beautiful thing to be able to do for people. Mm-hmm. So who are some of your favorite authors? Yeah, so I mentioned them a little before, but uh, I'll add one to them. So the one that I mentioned before was Neil Gaiman. Um, and so he writes that like kind of fantasy horror, but for 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 children and also for adults. And I think that's actually one of his missions as a writer is to bring fantasy back to adults when so many of the books that we get exposed to are either nonfiction or they're, you know, fiction in a lot of the traditional genres. Um, And so he brings that kind of magical element of like fantasy realism um, back into the world. So two of the books that I love from him are Neverwhere um, and The Graveyard Book. I'm gonna write those down for my good read, Neverwhere. They're really good. The Graveyard book is one of my favorites. It's about this um, kid who grows up in a graveyard and is raised by ghosts. So it's like, you know, and I think like mixing that element of like everything else about the world is normal. You know, he goes down in the world and it's it's all normal, but he's raised by ghosts. I think I love that dynamic. Yeah, I love Um, that. Yeah, yeah. And then so the other one I mentioned was Ursula K. Le Guin. And she writes a lot of that wizard fantasy um, world stuff. So A Wizard of Earthsea 
is my favorite book by her. And it's the same. It's a hero's, you know, journey quest, um, this wizard figuring out the difference between um, true power versus fake power. So pride versus like being of service and caring about something greater than yourself. Um, so that one's a really good one. And then uh, I'll try to pronounce his name correctly. It's Tich Nhat Hanh is a Vietnamese um, monk and a really awesome writer who has helped bring um, the world of Buddhism and Buddhist teachings to kind of the commercial Western world. So his books, yeah, are like focused Ooh. on, um, they're focused on all those practices that kind of I was talking about earlier around patience and peace and breath and and like releasing attachment to things things like that uh they all come through his books and they're really readable they're very like accessible to all different types of readers and he somehow manages to talk about nonfiction topics in a way that feels like story and that progresses very well so I'd oh I like that I would really like that I have a hard time getting into nonfiction, even if I really like the topic and so we touched on this a little bit when we talked about Alice in Wonderland, but do you think the book is always better than the movie? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I totally understand that often most of the time it isn't right. And like uh, growing up, you, you, like I'll sit in a, um, in a movie theater and just hear the people around me who've read the book be like, oh, they didn't include da 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 da. And like, you know, I just, I just watched Dune at home and my partner has read the book and he was watching it with me and they're like, the, he like pauses it and he's like, I have to tell you what actually happened in the book around this, you know, like there's just such richness that can get lost for a lot of practical reasons having to constrain the film. So I completely understand that. With that said though, like there is, something about not totally shaming a medium that works for people. So I don't think that completely eschewing books is a good idea, especially for, you know, younger people who are figuring out what medium clicks for them. I think encouraging reading is a really important uh, way to practice that imaginative muscle and experience that joy. With that said, like we're visual creatures, right? Like we love being able to see someone else's artistic rendition of concepts. We love being able to dive into that world visually. Like I'm thinking about like an IMAX theater, if you've ever yeah. been in one of those, you know, right? Like it's just such a beautiful experience too. So I think if if the author is on board and it's done with grace, and I think that it'd be so cool to involve more of the fan base when transitioning yeah. a book from to film, you know, like I feel like the Star Wars franchise, for example, they, they're not going from book form, but still like they completely disregarded the fans as they continued the storytelling. Uh, and we saw what happened there. So I think that that's going to be a really important thing to do moving forward. But yeah, definitely like, I was talking about this a little bit with my sister in her episode, but like the Percy Jackson series by Rick Riordan was such a staple for us as kids growing up. And the movie adaptation was not what we expected, not what we hoped for. And it was a little devastating to my younger sister at the mm -hmm. time because it was her favorite book. And then knowing now that like Rick Riordan is participating in the Disney Plus TV show version and so far it looks like it's going to be phenomenal like that's a very exciting thing and I do I agree I think like listening to the fans and the people that love the books if you're going to make the movie adaptation is a great thing I also agree like we are visual people so I love movie versions of things and I think it's a way and a chance to make 
it, its own art form and its own rendition and its own version. And I think that that's beautiful. And I think that it should be encouraged. And I, you know, I love a good movie. And I always, I like to read the book and watch the movie and not always in, always in a different order. And I always find it interesting that my um, roommate loves to watch movies and TV shows. She like loves that. And so she'll, I'll tell her like, oh my God, I've read this book and we'll watch the movie. And like, she wants to watch the movie, but then afterwards she'll ask me like, what was different? And I like appreciate that too, because it doesn't ruin one of them for her, but like, she's curious enough to want to know, like, how is that different than the book or what was, was the ending the same or whatever it may be. And that's also a fun conversation to have. Totally. As that's what I was about to say um, in response to what you said that came up for me, which is like, it creates conversation. You know, it's like, what do you think about this? Like, oh, actually, like, I don't think it needed that, you know, like, oh, I can't believe they missed this. Like, imagine if they included this scene, you know, like it, it creates a dialogue that you otherwise might not have if you just watch a movie and you go, okay, <laughs> you know, yeah. like, yeah. yeah. And the movies have the opportunity because they're visual to have all these little details that like you can see that you may read differently in the book or might not be there or whatever, but like those visual like details can also be very cool. I think totally like costume, whatever it is. I love that. Yeah. And I think it's like, it's nice to like respect them in the lane that they're in. Right. So watching a movie, like it doesn't have to be for, but for a lot of people is a pretty passive entertainment experience and watching a book. It's, it's also entertainment, but because you're flexing that imaginative muscle, like I think it's a little bit more interactive than just watching yeah definitely they both have their lanes okay so what book is on your list to read next yeah um I I want more fantasy and sci-fi just generally in the vein that I was talking about because it's so nice for me to escape from like the dry reading that I do for my work um, so I don't know what book, if you have any recommendations that come up, it sounds like I'm going to send you one of my lists. So <laughs> maybe I we'll do, start there. I okay. do have one. I have two different ones. Okay. Both are YA. Okay. Surprise, okay. Surprise. But one of them is I read all three books in like a week span. And I just thought for a young adult novel, I thought the concept was really great. So it's called Silo by DJ McHale. And I had no idea what was happening almost. And I didn't know it's sci-fi, almost dystopian, but you like don't know what it is, you know, if that makes Ooh. sense. When you're when you're in a sci-fi world, like you don't know what it is. I yes. I, I don't want to give any more away. And I like thought it was and I thought it was great. And it was so interesting and such a fast and easy read and entertaining. The other one I will say that's probably more dystopian than like sci-fi because sci-fi is also something I'd like to get into now but I was like obsessed with dystopian is Red Queen by Victoria Aveyard and she's one of my favorite authors she's also very young which like was such a breath of fresh air for me yeah and I met her like months ago at a book fair and she was lovely and I also devoured her that series and she has a more fantasy newer series realm breaker which reminds me kind of of like prince of persia movie meets as she says guardians of the galaxy so that's very interesting and i haven't finished that series but red queen is more dystopian and it's just set in a world where there are people that have red blood and then there are people people that have silver blood and they have like powers or specific abilities and it really 
goes into this dynamic of people who think they're better than others and this you know fight between these groups of people and acceptance and understanding and like people coming into their own and loyalty and it it was just it was a great book to read and I think it'd be one an interesting one to read especially after like the last few years so those would be my two suggestions three suggestions I guess (laughs) three yes thank you they are on my list um that sounds awesome so I think uh, the, that genre generally, and then I'm also trying to get into manga. Um, okay. To, and I've liked like graphic novels in the past, but I haven't like done a deep dive into that genre. Um, so I think that'd be cool. And I went to a comic book store and talked to somebody who worked there who gave me a bunch of good recommendations. And there's one specifically called Blood on the Treks that Blood I really want to dive treks. into. Okay. Um, so it could be really cool. I feel like the only graphic novels I read were for school and it was like Mouse and Persephone. It was <laughs> more serious topics than anything else. And so my final question is, what are you reading right now? Yeah, oh, I can't. I've been like itching to talk about this the whole time. I love this book so much. So it is nonfiction. So I'll preface that. I know that uh, you have more of an interest in fiction is, is what I I'm know, hearing. No, but so I'm far. trying. So like, I'm yeah. always open for suggestions. Okay. Well, if you if you are curious about animals at all, and if you're curious about both you know, animals that we consider colloquially as pets or wild animals or whatever, I think this book would just floor you. It's so amazing. It's called An Immense World and it's by Ed Young. His last name is spelled Y-O-N-G. And it's all about animal senses. This was on one of the like, whether it was, I don't know whose list of books for the year, but it was on someone's list of like hot books for the year this year. So that's so funny that you said that. I have it on my want to read because of it. Amazing. Yes, it has. It is on lists and it is on the list for a reason. It is so good. It's like about animal senses and the way that their senses create something that the author calls umwelt or umwelt. And it's a German word umwelt. And what it means, there's not really like a translation in English, but what it means is the way that a living being perceives their environment based on their dominant senses. Um, So it varies largely between animals. So I'll give an example. So for example, the, our dominant sense, our umwelt is dominated by vision, right? Like those of humans who have sight tend to experience uh, threats. They check on threats. They walk into a room and the first thing they use is their, their eyes. And we have incredibly powerful visual skills from like a biomechanical perspective toward that end. And it developed for a reason, you know, like we're able to tell the color red because from an evolutionary perspective, we had to see which berries were red, for example, on a um, bush and a dog doesn't need to see that. It doesn't, eat, it doesn't eat berries. So it can't see the color red. Vision is not as important to it. But to dogs or to cats, what matters a lot, especially to dogs, is smell. So the yeah. way that they perceive the world is through their nose. And they have an incredible nose to be able to do that in so many different ways. And so the book dives into domestic and wild animals and all the different ways that they see, hear, smell, touch. Like I've been learning crazy facts that I can't stop telling people around me about. I'm sure they hate me at this point. Like, <laughs> I'm like, dude, butterflies taste things with their feet. Did you know that? Did you know that, dude? Butterflies. What a, what a concept. 
I know. It's just like miraculous to me that the millions of different ways that they perceive the world that we like we can talk about it. And he does such a good job, the author, explaining them. But at the end of the day, we can't ever really know, yeah. you know, because we don't know what it means to taste with anything other than our tongue. Yeah. You know, it's just so awesome. And I think it it gets to my bigger mission in life, which is like, how can we help people value and care about beings both human and non-human other than themselves and I think it's through putting them in their shoes so it's an awesome book yeah oh I love that I mean I love any kind of way that we can talk about animals or the environment in a way that makes them for lack of a better phrase like equal to us because I feel like we're like our planet is so human dominated that like Mm -hmm. anything that you can learn more and you can really you know, like I look at my cat sometimes and I'm just like, you have full fledged thoughts and I can see them in your head and I know exactly where you're going. I know exactly what you're going to do. And like, I'm like, all right, you're smart. You're really, you're smarter than like, I give you credit for sometimes. And like, I know you're sneaky and it's taking that step back and being able to like realize that and value that. I mean, I can't even imagine like all the animals out there and all the things they can do and like camouflage and all these other things. Who do we think we are sometimes, you know? Totally. And I think, right, like we've separated ourselves from the fact that we are one strand in the web of life, right? Like we are a part of this earth just as animals are. Like we are not the dominant resource depleting like monsters that, you know, our actions have made ourselves out to be. Like whatever we do to these animals or to this planet, we're doing to ourselves. So to be able to have that respect and that parity and see them as equals, I think is essential to to actually yeah. seeing a future that we want to see. Yeah. I mean, just think how long some of them have been on this earth compared mm-hmm. to us. I want to read that. I want to get into more nonfiction. It's just finding the ones that I think captivate me and like enough to want to keep reading. And so I I'll take everybody's suggestions and just like you take mine. And if you don't like them, you can totally tell me you don't like them. It helps (laughs) me. It helps me differentiate which books I think people would like. And I like it or hate it. I'm happy to give suggestions. I love that. That's a very equal footing that you put yourself and your audience (laughs) on. That's beautiful. Thank you so much for joining me again, for taking time out of your day and talking about books, like my favorite thing to talk about. So I'm very happy that I get to sit down with you and do so. So thank you for being here. Absolutely. Yes, they are glorious. It was so nice getting to talk to you and getting to think about these things and yeah, share our ideas. And I can't wait to go read. Yeah, same. Thank you. And everybody tune in for the next episode in a couple weeks. Bye, everyone. Thank you for listening to Unofficial Book Club, where life and stories meet. The Book Club episode. You can listen wherever you get your podcasts, and if you're interested in any of the books that were discussed in this episode or any of the episodes, they're always listed in the show notes. Follow me on Instagram and TikTok at Unofficial Book Club Pod, and don't forget to rate and share with all of your friends. Until next time.